Welcome to our show, Michel. Hello. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making the time for us and uh, our community. So uh, maybe for the people who don't know Michel de Relac, uh, could you please briefly introduce yourself and explain why you are attracted to immersive cinema and VR storytelling? Um, it comes from the fact that I originally I was a dancer. I worked in uh, contemporary dance, then in theater, then in cinema, uh, leading the uh, cinema program for the uh, French-German channel Arte. And while I was doing this back in 2007, I started looking at experimental artists who were playing with the idea of interactivity in storytelling. I was able to do a few productions within Arte to test, you know, this new way of telling stories to the point where in two th at the end of 2012, I decided to resign from this job to fully focus on interactive storytelling. And that's when in 2013, the uh, Kickstarter campaign for Oculus was happening. And I had been uh, following, you know, um, uh, VR since 1992, because I curated an exhibition then where oh, wow. I... I, I um, co-designed a VR installation with an artist from New York called Matt Mulliken. And so since then I was following that. So when I saw the, the Kickstarter campaign and then the Facebook acquiring Oculus in, in March 2014, I thought, okay, this is, it's now, this is what's going to happen, you know, it's going to be the next thing. So from 2014, I fully focused on VR, uh, making films in VR. My first film was selected at Sundance, New Frontier. And from then I, I made, you know, VR films, but mostly my work now is uh, curator of uh, the Venice VR uh, mm -hmm. section within the uh, International Film Festival uh, in Venice. Yeah, because when I when I reached out to you for this interview, you told me that you were fully immersed in the selection process of Venice. How is that going? And are you satisfied about the quality of the submissions? How many submissions do we have this year? Uh, it's a strange year because this year we're not going to be able to have a physical edition of Venice VR like we have done the, the four preceding years where we have built a whole island, which is known mm -hmm. now as, as the VR island. Yeah. Uh, where we can showcase um, installations and, you know, six doff and three doff pieces uh, in a very, very nice way. Uh, this year we can't. It's going to be all online. So it prevents us from showing physical installations, which was one of the strong things we were doing before. So, um, but the one thing that I found tremendously exciting this year in our selection, and our selection is just closed now. It's not been uh, announced. Um, but I can say that the one thing I find exciting and that's very new are pieces that are performance-based, that are live performance, reactive performers, um, improvising and reacting with the audience in a remote presence and remote access. This is something very new. Uh, last year, we had a piece by Kira Benzing called Love Seat that was mm -hmm. already yeah. starting to experiment with that. This year, we're going to be showing several pieces which are entirely based on a streaming mode within different platforms where the audience can uh, directly uh, participate in the, um, in the performance. And that's a very, very exciting new frontier of VR. Um, and of course, the other exciting thing is the use of uh, social platforms in VR. It's uh, the, the COVID crisis has, I think, accelerated the process of new platforms coming up or new developments uh, because people are finding that there are um, 
more engaging ways to do things together, communicate together when you're in VR, more than on Zoom, for instance. Mm -hmm. So the Venice Festival will be completely online? Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. No, the, the Venice VR uh, section, which we have rebranded Venice VR Expanded, will entirely be online on an ad hoc platform that we are uh, designing as we speak. Uh, after having explored many, many options during the month of April and May, we have chosen to uh, build our platform with a branded platform designed by VR Room inside VR Chat. And mm -hmm. it'll be in partnership with Viveport for all of the Six Dolphin interactive works. So this is what we're working at the moment on. And okay. what we want to do with this platform is that we want to do two things. One is to provide access to the selection of the works we are um, you know, finishing selecting now. And also, on the other hand, provide as fluid and easy and, uh, a social um, platform that allows people to talk, to meet, to work together, um, which is one of the strong aspects of uh, Venice VR. Yeah, true. Okay, already looking forward to it. Um, as an XR programmer of Venice, uh, you were invited to a panel at CanXR uh, together with other XR programmers from big festivals like Blake uh, Camerdeer from Sao Bai, uh, Zena Abiasi from Tribeca and Eli Levaseur uh, from uh, Cannes. Uh, you discussed how festivals and markets can survive and how they will grow in the changing post-COVID landscape. Uh, so for the people who have missed that panel, what's your take on this? One thing that has become absolutely obvious to me is that developing a social platform or a remote presence platform for an event like a festival is no longer a short-term solution to a crisis like we've had you know, with the COVID. It is now a, a necessary... Um, part of the DNA of the events. I'm st I strongly believe that from now on, we need to think of ourselves as two faceted events. One, Hybrid. the physical dimension, and the other, the virtual dimension, the remote access dimension. And we need to think of programs and even uh, specific works that will be done exclusively for the uh, online dimension, the digital dimension, the same way that, for instance, the physical installations will be only for the physical dimension. And I'm really excited with the coming years of this uh, challenge of developing a hybrid identity for mm -hmm. events like ours, where we really yeah. think of ourselves as twofold. And one of the For instance, one of the things we are working on for, for Venice this year is uh, since a lot of people will not be able to travel to Venice to participate you know, in the festival, they will not be able to come to Venice, we decided that Venice should come to them. So mm -hmm. in order to do that, we are discussing with a network of 20 or so different cities in the world with friend institutions in those cities so that we can open a Venice VR expanded lounge in those cities where people who do not have access to a tethered headset, for instance, to watch the Six Dolph pieces, will be able to come just like in a VR theater uh, and, and book a slot of an hour or two hours and then access you know, our program this way. This is a way of 
of hybridizing what we're doing and multiplying physical presence and remote presence. It's one of the aspects that we are going to be exploring. But yeah, I, being hybrid, I mean, if there's a, sorry, if there's a word that I think is absolutely key for the future for us is the word hybrid, becoming yeah. hybrid, and by hybrid me, meaning being both physical and remote at the same time, and that both aspects are equivalents. Yeah, I completely agree, because I, I also see this as a, a huge opportunity, actually as a gift, because now... Uh, where we were focusing on offline events in the past. Uh, a lot of people are, are, are not able to attend those offline events because they are simply too expensive uh, or they have other things to do. Um, yeah. So yeah, I completely agree that this is uh, a huge opportunity, but time will tell how, how uh, events will rebrand themselves in terms of that. Yeah, but you see the, the hybrids. Yeah, the, I think the but the difficulty is that we've been caught by surprise with mm. the extent, you know, of the of the consequences of the COVID crisis. So unfortunately, a lot of the festivals who had to go online because they couldn't happen physically didn't have the time to really reflect and 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 take time, you know, to design. Nevertheless, they all did an amazing job at being present uh, virtually. And um, I think that's great, but it was dealt with as a, as a, as a, sh a short-term response to an accident. Now, it, we need to enter a completely different phase where we need to learn the lessons from this. And we need to understand that we as viewers, as spectators, we are going to have different ways of accessing content and we will not travel necessarily as easily as in the, in the past. But it, to take a model, it's really doing to the entertainment and cultural field the same thing that has already happened to the garment industry. You know, brands that sell fashion, um, they have brick and mortar stores But they have their websites, you know, where you order online and it's the same brand. It's the same uh, action of acquiring, yeah. you know, clothes, but you can do it physically or you can do it online. And the two sometimes are very different. So I think we need to do the same. Yeah, completely agree. Um, about our industry in general, um, we are, uh, this is still uh, quite an immature industry that we are in. Um, the VR or XR industry, what's what's necessary necessary or needed, in your opinion, to take it to the next level? Distribution. The um, I think the next step needs to be uh, where the market is going to mature to a step uh, to a stage where uh, content and distribution of the content will be able to generate income. Um, we need to step out of the phase where basically the content is available for free or almost for free aside, you know, from the main platforms. We absolutely need to think of how we can help the market structure itself so that particularly the creative work that I am interested in, that we are interested in in Venice, um, can aggregate, uh, be uh, So that they're, 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 the, the offer that they represent on the market can be both aggregated and curated so that there is an identifiable brand platform uh, you know, collection 
that will allow the viewers who are interested in, in creative content, they will be able to see them and, and uh, access them. Of course, today you can have any piece, you know, um, available, let's say, on Steam. Mm-hmm. But Steam is a huge platform with everything. And I think it's now the, the market is mature enough to segment itself in terms of the different offers. It's one thing to have a platform for games. It's another thing to have maybe a platform for documentaries. But it's a, it, I think we also need a platform for a place to go for creative, uh, cutting edge, um, artistic content in VR. So this uh, structuring of the market and the objective of uh, uh, the work uh, generating income is to me absolutely key to give faith in the fact that there is a future economically speaking. I'm not worried creatively speaking. I think there's so much talent. There's so many incredible people doing amazing work out there that the creative side is happening. It's the, it's the business model that we now need to have to make sure that it's viable and scalable. Yeah, and, and self-sustainable. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and do you have an idea or what do you think, how long will that last before an industry like this could be self-sustainable? What's going to be very interesting is going to be the moment when Facebook launches Horizon and see what kind of impact that will have on a community of uh, you know Facebook people that are not exposed to VR yet. Mm-hmm. Will they be able to make it sexy and desirable? Um, I think that's going to be one step. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Apple is going to enter that market. I mean, I've, I was reading about the fact that um, they are hiring the people who are without a job, you know, from Magic Leap, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. So I think when Apple enters the market, that will make a difference as well. It could be, uh, you know, a, a, a trigger point. Um, so I think easier access, less friction um, is what's going to make it. Once again, in terms of content, there is already exciting content out there. It's just a question of marketing it. And it's a question of making it desirable for people to the point where they are ready to buy a headset. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, yeah. the success of the Quest uh, is proof that we're, w- there is a, a demand for this. There is a market. Um, and the, the more, the, you know, the next Quest will be more comfortable, will be lighter, will have <clears throat> more um, battery uh, life. I mean, th- there's going to be all these... Uh, improvements, but the main improvement will be when the design of the headsets will become sexier, um, mm-hmm. uh, smaller and closer to glasses. That's going to be one thing. But the marketing side that's going to come from the big actors uh, is also key. It's just a, it's a question of finding the right moment when that can happen. And I think I think that's, you know, that's, it's positioned to happen in, in maybe two, three years. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, I, I agree. And I also think that uh, people are not only going to buy a headset to uh, consume content. There has to be another reason why people should buy a headset. And now because of the pandemic, remote collaboration or remote work um, is getting yeah, um, more and more popular. And, and, and we see that uh, VR or XR in general could solve a lot of those 
uh, friction points of remote collaboration. So maybe once the headsets are in the in the homes, people are also yeah are also probably willing to consume content um, other than remote work or remote collaboration. And I think it's a it's also it's also the desire to be together. You know, it's like yeah. the next Skype or the yeah. next Zoom. And when you can do that easily. And then you can do things together like fun or playing or just being together. I know, for instance, a personal project of mine when, when you know, uh, I will have some time after Venice is to start building the dream, of the, the home of my dreams. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to have a place where I can go with my friends, where I can invite my friends and be in an environment that corresponds to the, the ideal home where that I that I will never be able to build in real life now I want to build it there and have friends come there and friends that are not that I can't see in real life because we're in different countries for instance I think the I think the social dimension of VR is, is what, the most important yeah yeah it's what's yeah. going to make it happen yeah true so um yeah maybe one last question you told me that you were going to go to um Venice next week yeah. Are you looking forward to see the city now when it's uh, without tourists? It's not without tourists, strangely and enough, because uh, it is only Italian tourists, but it is it is tourists anyway. It's not dead any longer. Um, oh. So particularly during the weekends, it's quite uh, busy. Much really? less, much, much oh. less than usual. You know, you okay. don't have the cruise ships, you don't have all the... Japanese and Chinese tourists, you know, and all these um, thousands of people. So it's going to be nice, but um, it's it's no longer dead, which is great. Okay. Do you see an opportunity, for example, to virtualize a city like Venice uh, and let people explore it from a distance? I think it's a it's definitely a future. I think that the same way we said before that any event, festivals, institutions in the cultural and media field should think of themselves as hybrid. I definitely think that we should have um, digital twins. Like in the future, yeah. we will have our avatars will be, will have the option to have a digital twin that will look exactly like us. Um, the transportability of the avatar from one platform to the other so that we're always represented yeah. in the same way is also something that will need to be done. But buildings... Um, tourist attractions and eventually um, places and cities will will have a digital twin. Definitely, Helsinki is doing a, a big uh, big effort on becoming like the digital or ecological capital of Europe by virtualizing the whole city. They already have like wow. a digital twin, yeah, working. Wow, VR I didn't Hel- know. Wow. VR VR Helsinki. You should check it out. Oh my it's god! Really yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, but that's yeah. I think it's going to happen. Um, in the next coming years, definitely. Yeah, probably, probably. Now, okay, now one of the things I, I just wanted to add, one of the <laughs> okay. misunderstandings that I find myself sometimes discussing is some people say, but why do you spend so much time in VR? I mean, we've we've seen in the confinement that we we crave the physical experience of being together, you know, and living things in reality. And I say, yes, absolutely. I mean, reality always prevails yeah. and is, is superior. Physical experiences 
is better than a virtual experience, you know, when it's not like a fantasy experience, something you cannot live in real life. But when you cannot be together physically because you're in different places, then it's the next best thing. And it's yeah, much, much true. better than, than a Zoom or a Skype. So it makes it, it, so the idea of developing those platforms and making them realistic is a way of substituting a virtual reality when the physical reality dimension of what you want to live is not available. So it's, uh, it's very, it, it's not instead of, it's, uh, it's when you can't have it, then this is the next best thing. I couldn't agree more. I always take the, or use the example, um, in, my, in my left hand, I have a ticket to New York to go with your best friend or your wife. And in my right hand, I have a ticket for a virtual trip to New York. Which one do you choose? And probably you're not available to go tomorrow because you have to uh, immerse yourself again into the Venice selection process. So then you, then you don't have any other option to take the virtual ticket, exactly. but the real life experience is actually always better than the virtual, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So, okay, Michel, I would like to thank you for your time. I really enjoyed this episode. Um, and I'm already looking forward to the Venice VR selection. Yeah, wonderful. See you Thank there. you very much. <laughs> okay, Thanks, Peter. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>